1: What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the PitcherList List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzi Weber. Schwebzi,
2: how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm doing—actually, uh, I'm doing terribly because I mentioned my new puppy last week, and he is a nightmare. He is a terror. Uh, I, I assume it's like an old god reincarnated because of the pure chaos and misery that he's bringing to my household because of the hours and hours of of, uh, witching hour that uh, this puppy brings to my home. Other than that, I'm great. I mean, literally every single time I see that dog do
1: something infuriating and you and Christine get upset, there's usually like, I don't know, a 10-second window before he does something that's very cute and both of you are instantly disarmed again, which is very, very funny to see on cam. Like, I got to see it a couple times tonight while y'all were, or while we were prepping for the podcast and Christine was hanging out in the back.
2: Uh, but no, yeah. My my puppy does a funny thing where every time he walks into a new room, he immediately inventories every single thing that I don't want him to do, and then uh, if I pay stop paying attention to him for one second, he uh, starts going through that list one at a time until I pay attention to him.
1: It's fun. Absolute machine. I love it. Uh, and I
2: love. I've never
1: loved anything more. I was gonna say you're 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 very proud dad. That chaos I, energy is I've something that loved. you could admire and honestly aspire to. I think. Um, <laughs> Yes, uh, we are bumping right back into our positional previews for the preseason here. Uh, Last week we talked about outfielders. Wait, yes? I've already forgotten what we talked about last week. Last week was outfielders. This week, middle infielders. Heck yeah. Uh, This is actually, I think, probably going to be one of the more miserable positions to talk about. I feel like middle infield is very, very light. Uh, I try to be
2: miserable every week, but yes. Yes, true. That is true. Um, <laughs> but
1: we we were going through it, and like I, I know that the shortstop position, everyone talks about how much depth there is in terms of talent. Um, Shubzi pointed out something which I mean, I kind of I kind of observed myself, but haven't really noticed that much. But he kind of put it really well. Shubzi, do you want to say like what you said about the shortstop position specifically? Because we were noticing this as we were looking at like our TGFBI squads. Because we're about like s- what what round are you in right now?
2: We are in round fourteen. I'm in round seventeen now. So, um. so yeah, we're uh, we are you know roughly pick two hundred, and that means that uh, a cliff is rapidly approaching. So, a, a common refrain around the fantasy world is that shortstop is deep, and it is deep in number of players, but it's not deep in like draft rounds if you if you're following what i mean like it, after you get to like adp 250 so you figure you figure you're around what round like 15 in a draft uh, or 15 teamer yeah something like that um there's just no more shortstops if you look in between adp 250 and 350 there's two count them two shortstops And neither of them are players I'm particularly interested in. It's uh, Luis Garcia and uh, Oswald Peraza. How dare you? Who have have power concerns and playing time concerns, respectively. Uh, And then when you do get to 350, as we are going to discuss in a little bit, it doesn't get much better. So just general draft advice, make sure you lock down your shortstop second base middle infield spot ideally before pick 250
1: true yeah um i waited a while and still have not filled in my middle infield spot on my QG fbi roster which i'm kind of disappointed in myself for because i feel like there's really not that much out there that's much to chase after i would say um so I'm kind of annoyed, annoyed with myself for doing that. I also have let my outfield go for quite some time, and I don't have catchers yet, and it's around 17, so that's always good. Uh, but, yeah, middle infield, definitely a hard one. I'm sorry if you could just hear my neighbor yelling. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's parties going on like two doors down from me, so I'm sorry if you can hear that. But, uh, yeah, we're going to pop in right here and start off. Schwabzi, you're going to do the first one here for the deep dive. Let's talk about Isak Paredes.
2: Yes. Of the Tampa Bay Rays, Isak Paredes is, he, he's kind of a mystery box in that his season and career could go in any number of directions, and I would not be totally surprised.
0: It could but be But he is
2: a miss <laughs> It could be anything. Could even be an Isak Paredes. Uh, it, But he is a, he's a mystery box that I kind of love dearly because he's just got such a fun, unique skill set and he's had a fun, windy career path already, even though he's only 24. Uh, Paredes started off as a hit tool first prospect in the Detroit Tigers system. And that hit tool never really showed up as high batting averages, but it did show up in his strikeout rates. And I mean, that, that is a, this is a different conversation entirely, but that, that kind of speaks to the vagueness of the hit tool that uh prospect evaluators use it could mean Mm. a couple of different things uh but when Paredes was a tiger's farmhand he topped out at 15 dingers in a season while putting up strong walk rates giving him kind of an uncommon profile of low power good walk rates iffy batting average and usually for a player with this kind of profile to be effective they have to bring something else to the table because walks by themselves don't really make a player super productive Uh, Although I do love good plate discipline as part of a you know as part of a package, the fun part came when he got traded to Tampa Bay. I'm not sure what happened on the Uber ride from Detroit to Tampa Bay. Obviously a normal Uber, not an Uber XL, because Tampa Bay would not pay for the upgrade. But all of a sudden, when Paredes reached Florida, his approach changed entirely. He spent very little time in AAA for Tampa Bay. But when he started playing for them in the majors, he started pulling every fly ball that he could that he could even at the detriment of the rest of his batted ball profile. I think this approach change has made him a truly unique player overall and an underrated fantasy asset. And the reason that he's a mystery box is both the combination of his skills, his unique skills and his situation. Going through the usual, uh, my usual approach of the three Ps, plate appearances, production, and potential, all of them have at least one question mark, which normally isn't the sort of player I like to target when there's this many question marks, but as I keep saying, I do, I I love the potential here. When it comes to plate appearances, I think his skill set justifies getting 450 plus plate appearances, with the caveat here being that he plays for the Tampa Bay Rays which means that the best way to predict his playing time is to simply throw up a shrug emoji until you give up and move on to a different topic. Uh, The good news here is that the Rays have proven to value defense pretty heavily, and Paredes put up great outs above average numbers at three different positions last year, which means the Rays have a reason beyond his bat to keep him in the lineup. And it also means multi-position eligibility, which is you know dope for us fantasy players especially when it comes at weak positions like third base and second base and you know we always love a good middle infield corner infield guy and uh one thing that i want to add to what i said before about uh getting your middle infielders early uh deep second base is better than deep shortstop so if you are filling up your middle infield spots late make it a second baseman yes uh so back to, uh, Paredes, his production, I, I mentioned this earlier, the second he arrived in Tampa Bay, he started taking aim for the dome and started skying fly balls to his pole side, which has been fantastic for his power numbers. Paredes was 27th in baseball in the number of fly balls that he pulled last year. And that was only in 381 plate appearances. As long as he's pulling fly balls in this kind of volume... I expect the dingers to continue. And on top of the power production, he's also got a very discerning eye at the plate leading to great walk rates. And he definitely gets a bump in OBP leagues. You know, if if you're into that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. if you're into a better, higher quality, more sophisticated league,
1: (laughs) we don't league shame here. Shwebzy.
2: I'm league shaming. No, I'm in so many batting average leagues. I only, I only participate in Woba leagues or my ex-Wubble Leagues, they're very exclusive. Uh, The downside to his new style of hitting is that it makes hitting for a good batting average pretty difficult. Because since he's hitting so many fly balls, he's also hitting a ton of pop-ups. He's popping up at a frankly obscene 12% rate. Pop-ups are basically automatic outs. So between his 18% strikeout rate and his 12% pop-up rate, that's 30% of his plate appearances that basically have no shot of you know, ending up in a positive result. Hmm. As far as projecting his potential going forward, like I said before, this could go in a, a lot of different directions. Um, I I love the skill set, and I think he can keep it up, but also the Rays have a lot of interesting players, and it wouldn't surprise me if Paredes didn't play that much, and even if he did nothing wrong, like the Rays have Curtis Mead knocking on the door. And Jonathan Aranda is worth getting some bench plate appearances. It's, it's just a very talented, very crowded team. The good news, as far as potential, our, our buddy, uh, friend of the podcast, Michael Ahedo, pointed out to me, his pop-up rate can't really possibly get any higher. Like it was at 12%, which is almost double the league average. So in theory, it can only really go down, which would, you know, mean more fly balls ideally. So maybe he can hit even more dingers. I don't know. So technically, (laughs) technically his sky high pop-up rate might be a positive. But he's going at pick 327 since January 1st. Uh, And Paredes is one of two guys that I would target if I was looking for power out of the middle infield post 300. It's basically him and Nolan Gorman. And both of those guys have playing time concerns. And between the two... I think Paredes will get more playing, uh, more playing time than Gorman, since he brings more positives than just his bat to the table.
1: Yeah, I like this one a lot. If you look at his spray chart, that was like one thing when we were doing research for this on the Twitch stream. Oh, which, I mean, did we, did we talk about that at all? Did we, we did, we, did, we didn't, we did not,
2: we we're so bad, we're oh, so yeah. bad at, really at plugging our, our, our own stuff.
1: really really good at our jobs uh so we actually have started streaming on twitch again some people might remember these streams from last year we did quite a few uh where we do the prep of the podcast sometimes we will also uh stream the recording of the podcast too but in this case we didn't just uh for actually mostly just for like computer concerns just to make sure that our uh hardware (laughs) wasn't going to fail on us uh but we do stream on Twitch, the prep and recording of the podcast, and you can find that on Schwebzi's Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. But uh, when we were doing the prep for the episode there, I saw you looking at his Savant page and just seeing how pretty it was. All Just all those very beautifully pulled fly balls that were very swiftly deposited in
2: the bleachers at Tropicana. Um Every, every time I see one of those, I, I think of Didi Gregorius, who famously never hit a home run to anything but his pole side. Yeah, exactly. Ex- un- t- until, until like eight years into his career, he hit one to center field against the Mets, of course. Of course it was against the Mets.
1: Ugh. But yes, I I mean, I, I think that Isak Paredes is... Probably. I, I, like, I like him more than Gorman for power in this range. Um, I, I, I mean, we, we talked about this before we started recording. I don't think that Gorman necessarily right now, with the way Jordan Walker is hitting the ball, has a path to playing time. Uh, between him and like Juan Yepes taking most of the uh, DH reps, and then Brendan Donovan probably going to slot in at second base and be playing there quite a bit. I just don't know if there's really a path for Gorman right away. Um, he will still get yeah. some at bats, but,
2: um, it, it's these of Paredes. like there's so little power potential post 300 for middle infielders. And Very like the hard. two most, attra- the two most attractive home run bats in this range, both have major playing time concerns.
1: Yeah. So that's the hard part. You kind of have to pick and choose obviously much better in daily leagues than it is weekly leagues naturally. But, um, no, this late in the draft, I think that Paredes and Gorman are still worth taking stabs on. Obviously. Um, because like we said, finding that power at the middle and field spots is incredibly difficult and few and far between. So, uh, yeah, I I would favor Paredes a little bit, but I do like Gorman as well to a certain extent, depending on if he finds the opportunities. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then I'll be back with my first deep dive.
0: Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss.
1: All right. And we are back. So going into my first deep dive, I actually debated which one of my guys I want to do first. I'm going to save the very, very, very deep dive for last. And I'm going to start with someone who barely uh, eclipses the post-300 ADP that I want to talk about. And that's Luis Garcia of the Washington Nationals. So Garcia is part of the youngest middle infield pair in what I think is the league's entire history. Like he and C.J. Abrams are both just 22 years old, which I think I forget sometimes. Uh, and although there's a lot more helium for Abrams during this draft season specifically, I don't think that Garcia should necessarily be slept on. So he had a pretty astronomically high chase rate last season. That said, it was improved from the season prior. And based on conversations that members of the media have been having with both Davy Martinez and Garcia, this is a obviously huge area of focus for Garcia this off season and working into the twenty twenty three season. He's worked one walk so far in 13 plate appearances in spring training, uh, which obviously incredibly small sample, but it's a trend that one hopes can continue into the season as he was literally in the first percentile in walk rate last year on a league wide basis. Like he was the worst of the worst. It's like two point something percent. He walked last year. I think you said Schwebsey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Something like that. Um, so if you look at the run values on his Savant page, based on like what pitches, he faces he struggles mightily against pretty much everything that's a non-fastball pitch so like sliders curveballs changeups. he had a combined negative 15 run value which is pretty horrendous um that said he absolutely feasted on four seamers he did nearly all of his damage last year on four seamers or against four seamers i should say and he accumulated a run value of 10 uh in 2022 honestly when you think about it, this just makes a ton of sense when you think about how horrendous that chase rate was. It just seems like he was praying for a fastball on every pitch and ambushing the ones he actually did see. Um, so there is one other encouraging part here. Uh, although he is likely to be batting near the bottom of the order, he is going to be largely unchallenged for the starting job at second base, meaning that he's going to have every opportunity to accrue plate appearances in 2022. Um the other adjustment that he probably needs to make is that he needs to do a much better job hitting the ball in the air. Uh, looking at his launch angle chart on Savant, he hits a decent amount of line drives, which really explains like the solid batting average floor, uh, but rarely does he elevate in a way that leads to barrels and, in turn, home runs, which is obviously, in the game of fantasy, what we need. Um, we know that he has the capability to get to like pretty good... like power and like good exit velos uh i was actually asking this to Schwebzi and i had him guess what uh percentile luis garcia was in for his max exit velocity in 2022 and schwebzy guessed like what like 44 44%, percent, 44th percentile or was, something like that i was yeah i was super wrong you were so far off 91st percentile so like for max ev like garcia can get there He just needs to get there with more consistency. It was like one ball that basically put him there. I mean, if you look at his 90th percentile, it's probably much, much lower. Um, But the line drives lead to a solid batting average floor, uh, which is really, really nice. And we know he has the capability to get to that high exit velo, and he showed that off today, uh, actually, against none other than division rival and former national Max Scherzer, where he hit a home run uh, in spring training. So to kind of wrap it up, while the profile with Garcia isn't typically what I personally like to go for in my deep dives, which is like players with tools that just need opportunity. It's kind of the inverse where like he has all the opportunity in the world, but like the tools aren't quite there for him. So the volume that he should find himself getting will be valuable in and of itself, just like it is in most deep leagues, like plate appearances are equivalent to value and you should be able to afford to wait and see with him if he's able to make those changes because the batting average is good enough that it's not going to hurt you in those categories.
2: That, uh, that home run off of Max Scherzer was an unearned run. So I'm not sure that counts.
1: How is it an unearned run?
2: Uh, Hey, uh, baseball's weird. It happened after an oh, hour was it? or so. Oh it didn't count. yeah,
1: that's fair. I always forget about that. That's so weird. Like, I feel like the unearned run should be so, like the run that like, if, cause there was a runner on base, right?
2: Yeah, I, I feel like a court yeah, I, reporter. I, I, like, yeah, can, yeah. We, can we can we
1: strike that home run from the record? <laughs> <Can we? laughs> I mean, this is yeah, the, very unselfishly for you. Definitely not a Mets fan. Uh, but no, it's like I feel I, I know this is like a very nitpicky thing, and this is not at all what this podcast is about. But it feels like even though there was an error that kept the inning going. I feel like you should still be responsible for giving up the home run. Like the, the runner on base that scored, he shouldn't get an earned run for, but I think that the home run should be something that he is responsible for. I don't know. let I don't know.
2: Max Scherzer is perfect and beautiful, and how dare you?
1: <laughs> uh, All right, Chipsy, let's go to your second deep dive here. Let's talk about Elvis Andrews, which, uh, so for me, this was, this was a trivia question that you asked me while we were doing research on the episode. You asked me how old I thought that Elvis Andrews was. So full disclosure, I didn't really get back into baseball until the 2019 (laughs) season. So I didn't really remember just like how old Elvis Andrus was. So I just have this weird thing, like this weird like memory hole in my brain where I just assume that like every player that I don't know super well is like around the age of like 28, 29, I feel like, unless they were playing like pretty prominently when I still paid attention to baseball, which would have been back in like 2008, 2009, which I mean, he debuted then, but I didn't really remember him. Um, so I guessed that he was what? 26. Did I say yeah, 27, 26. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and see, he's been how, around
2: for 14 years. Yeah. How so, old, and yeah, how how old been is play, he now? Been, he's 34. Crazy. Crazy. Like since he's, he's been playing since he was 20. And he started in 2009, but so in my head, like, he, it feels like he's been around for absolutely forever. I, I feel like he should be like 39, but no, he's, he's only 34. Not super old, but being in his 30s and having a rough year in Oakland last year kind of made me completely write him off, mm-hmm. uh, a li- completely write him off just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, no, he's somehow still the same age as a as nine-year veteran Tommy Pham which is wild to me. Wow! But uh, yeah, Andrews put up maybe the most surprising 3.5 war season in baseball last year. I think the only competitor is like Jose Trevino who put up 3.7, which yeah, I, I can't believe that either, but he absolutely rejuvenated his career for the White Sox last year. Uh, Andrews hadn't cleared two war since 2017, which is basically forever ago on like a baseball aging curve. Uh, after toiling away as a free agent for way too long in my opinion uh, he wound up back on the south side which is great for him and great for fantasy managers uh, because as soon as he left the unfriendly confines of the Oakland Coliseum, he went on an absolute rampage in 43 games for the White Sox, Andrus put up 9 home runs and 11 stolen bases just pay attention to the number of games there in basically in basically a quarter of a season he put up a double double if you like like it's like a 30 30 pace comfortably if you added andrews at that point he would have gotten you the 13th most home runs in baseball and the second most steals in baseball off of the waiver wire which is league winning stuff now is he going to do that again no what he did in those 43 games was good for, like, a 7-plus war pace, and he's just never been that good of a player. He, he, like, and I don't think he's suddenly unlocked that for good. He, like, Even at his peak, when he was a good fantasy asset, like he, he was just never remotely that good. The thing is, though, he doesn't need to go absolutely bananas again to be worth your investment, because he's being drafted around 348 right after that massive ADP gap. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned before, the only guys between 250 and 350 are Peraza and Garcia. So there's just no shortstops going after 250 for a long while. And if you do wind up needing a shortstop after 350, there's Andrews just sitting there with shortstop eligibility and soon to be second base eligibility. And I, I like Andrews more than sorry Jordan, both of those guys, Luis Garcia and Oswald Peraza. So like you can argue that he's the best like he he's being drafted at 350, 360, and he's like the best shortstop, in my opinion, for like 110 picks or something. Uh so as far as his playing time, he's going to play pretty much every day. Unless something unforeseen happens. Like he's con- I I think he's considerably considerably better then Larry Garcia, and historically he's been a good defender. He might bat low in the order, which is unfortunate, but this might be kind of a nice second leadoff guy scenario where the top of the White Sox order is good enough that Andrus could still be driven in a bunch of times while hitting 8th or ninth. And I was ready to say that there was no way his power surge could hold up, but I'm kind of rethinking that. He had a pretty high home run to fly ball rate based on the rest of his career. But except for, except for last year in Oakland, it's really not like this past year really wasn't that far out of line with, uh, you know, his last half decade, he's only cleared 12 home runs one other time before last season, but I'm really not seeing anything here in his profile that says he can't hit 15 home runs again he's pulling enough fly balls to keep this up. Uh last year was actually his highest fly ball rate and highest pull rate since 2017 when he hit 20 home runs. So, maybe it was a fluke and maybe he goes back to his old slapdick self, but what I'm seeing suggests that 2020 2022 was not a mirage. And then we've got the stolen bases, which, you know, we all love uh late in the draft stolen bases. I expect them to stick around as well. Uh, we always talk Here about how stolen bases are just as much about physical talent as they are about willingness to run and savviness on the base paths. Andrus has 335 stolen bases in his career. I think he knows how to steal a bag. And, you know, we're all expecting stolen bases to increase, so I I can't imagine Andrus suddenly stops running, you know, again, unless something unforeseen happens. So, you know, in, in conclusion, like, I'm... this is one of those things where I think he's going later than he should probably because of that like you know unconscious ageism that we see a lot of in fantasy drafts old guys tend to get drafted later than they should so especially in redraft like I I love grabbing Andrews late to fill a middle infield slot
1: yeah I really really like this one uh that pace just still blows my mind after he got to Chicago. I Like, I remember it happening and people mentioning it last year and then just, like, again, memory hole. Completely forgot about it. And then doing research for this again and talking to, It was to, one like, of those things like, that, we talked like, to Jay like... Hook. Uh, We talked to Hookie in the uh, Twitch chat while we were prepping, and he pointed that out, partially, uh, to check, like, yeah. what his stats were after he went to Chicago. And, <sighs> wow. Yeah. Just really, really, really insane.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you know, on top of the fantasy stats, the counting stats, like Andrews has historically been a fantastic bat to ball guy. So, you know, he hasn't really fallen too much uh, of a victim to the, you know, raise, rising strikeout rate trends league wide. He's still really good at putting the bat on the ball. He's going to get on base enough to, uh, you know, score some runs. I, I think he's, you know, he's, he's similar to like Luis Garcia with skills.
0: It's rude. That's
2: really. I rude. know. I. I <laughs> you know what? It's not you. Unnecessary. I, I, I just. <laughs> it, it's. It's not you. It's. It's. He's a national. I'm sorry. I'm just incredibly biased towards all NL East people that aren't Mets. Terrible. I would never let that color my my commentary though.
1: No, you would never do that
2: would never say mean things about a rival not that the gnats are really a rival at this point but you know what i mean
1: any chance to take a shot he will take it good god all right we're going to take one more quick break before i do my last deep dive and then after that we're going to go to some honorable mentions for different categories and we'll be right back
0: when it comes to weight management we tend to put our focus on what we eat but noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat and that's a game changer not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Numers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, and we are back. So for my last deep dive, I'm going uh, the deepest of the deep here. I th- well, not the deepest of the deep, but pretty dang deep, uh, pretty ding dang deep uh, for this one. And I'm going to the number four prospect in the Tam- <laughs> in the Tampa Bay Jays. Dear God, uh, <laughs> number four prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays system, according to Prospects Live, and the number 54 overall prospect according to FanGraphs, and that is Addison Barger. So Addison Barger saw a meteoric rise in his stock last year climbing from single A in 2022 all the way up to triple A. And the entire time, he just raked at every single level that he was at. He had an OPS of over 900. Over 900 at every single stop he made last year and had 26 home runs and 526 plate appearances, uh, which is a far cry from where he was developmentally prior to the last pandemic season. Uh, So he was drafted as like a 150-pound line drive hitter back, back in 2018 and now he sits at like 2.10 and is able to show some thump and showed up in spring training with a lot of that when he took Pirates closer David Bednar deep to right field in their spring training opener. Uh, Barger is a hitter that has a really heavy pull profile with a fly ball percentage that speaks to him optimizing opportunities for home run power, particularly in a park like the Rogers Center, which is in the top third in the league in home runs by StatCast Park Factors. So one of the most attractive things about Barger is the fact that he's likely to accrue a ton of value when it comes to positional eligibility, and he's able as he's able to handle his own at second base, shortstop, and third base, and has started taking reps in the outfield this spring training in hopes of earning more opportunities as the season trudges on. Uh obviously, being a minor leaguer, there are roadblocks that he has to get past to be able to get an opportunity. And those roadblocks right now are in the form of Kevin Biggio, who is lately a topic of possible trade and then Santiago Espinal who has been largely boring from an offensive standpoint like is a decent accumulator because he gets the at-bats but he also plays excellent defense all over the diamond so that said I do think that the fact that Barger is one a lefty and two the upside of his bat is so much higher than both Espinal and Biggio that I doubt it's really long before we see him getting at-bats in that god in that tampa bay jays i keep saying that (laughs) in that toronto blue jays lineup uh if you have deep enough benches in a redraft or best ball league i'm all for nabbing barger though with lighter bench spots he's just someone that i think you had to watch lists and keep a close eye on Uh, odds are because of where he is ranked by like prospects live fan graphs all that stuff like people know who he is so your dynasty leagues not going to be able to get him probably um if you see, in a redraft league, both Biggio and Espinal struggling offensively, which I find to be likely at some point, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets called up and gets an opportunity. Also, fun fact, thanks to Mikey Hedo for finding this. Apparently, Barger, when he was in high school, even though he was like 150 pounds, could throw 95. Huh. Where you know? Which is wild. So he's got a really good arm, too, which helps. Um, but yeah.
2: I think Kevin Biggio is a is a is like a speed bump like a, like a penny is a speed bump. I think Espinal is the real uh, the real threat there to uh, Barger actually breaking into the onto the team and getting some playing time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously I think I think literally it takes one injury
1: for him to get his opportunity. I feel like he's probably the first one up in that organization if anyone gets hurt if they need an extra body. Um because he can yeah play. Again, I don't want to again he's playing everywhere like he's also taking reps in the outfield like that helps him immensely
2: too, um and I and... don't want to jinx anything, but uh, Vlad Guerrero is getting his knee checked out right now, and obviously we very much hope that Vlad Jr is okay, but I mean that could that could be some opened up playing time right there,
1: yeah because what would they do they would probably move uh belt first i mean i think
2: right i think belt would dh less play first base more and that would open up dh plate appearances and honestly uh you 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 and i argued a little bit about barger before i said that i don't think he would supplant espinal as a utility guy because of the defensive value that espinal brings yeah but being a dh would be perfect for barger's bat
1: that's true uh also, what's interesting to me is that he really like he so he saw his meteoric rise happen in 2022. This was two years after because I said he was a left handed bat. He actually was a switch hitter all the way up until the pandemic shortened season in which obviously that just elimin- eliminated the minor league season. Um, it's funny. There was an article where he said he literally took that as a sign that he should just start hitting left handed. and That's it with that season being canceled like that that was his that was his push to stop hitting right handed and just hit exclusively left-handed also he models his left-handed swing after i think a lot of people like especially even my age in our age modeled their swings after when they were younger with a huge high leg kick and that's ichiro like that's, oh, that's real inspiration cool. for his swing which he talked about in the same article so I think that's also very cool. While it's not necessarily fantasy relevant, I do think that it's at least real life relevant and a cool
2: fun fact to know. So
1: but yeah, I think it, that Addison Barger's fun.
2: It's pretty funny to hear someone notable for their power and they model their swing after each hero. Right. Yeah. It's Yeah,
1: it's it's really, really oh, interesting. Oh.
2: I wanna see him take a running start to first base and still hit a tater.
1: I mean the walls are short enough in Toronto and the home run park factors are high enough that, I mean, it's not completely unlikely that you, one could do that. So, uh, but yeah. All right. So let's move on to some quick hits here at the end of the episode. Uh,
2: Schwabzy, what do you got for batting average? Batting average is kind of tough down here. Honestly, like, at, like, like we said before, this, Position group in general is pretty tough, like because shortstop just doesn't really go deep after two fifty, and second base falls off a cliff even earlier. But there are some interesting options there. There are some interesting limited players down here. Like there are definitely players that can contribute in single categories or just a couple of categories, as long as you're willing to accept the warts. And uh, speaking of players with warts, Brendan Donovan is a really fun batting average uh a potential anchor. Uh we covered uh Jordan well Jordan covered him last week, did a really good deep dive on him. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Uh, he's a really solid OBP guy, pretty good average guy. And you know we, we've name dropped him like three times already this episode, but we were talking to our buddy Michael Aheto before this episode and another thing that he pointed out to us was that Brendan Donovan has a more upright swing this spring training. Uh, It's very noticeable. He's standing up pretty straight at the plate, and it's allowing him to engage his core more in his swing and get to more power. And this is... It's hard to, like, read... Hard isn't the right way to put this, but you shouldn't read too much into spring training stats except when there's something behind them. Like when there's a swing change, when there's added velocity, something like that. And there is a swing change here. So if Brendan Donovan can add 15 home runs to his profile on top of his, you know, good average, good OBP, he actually could be a really relevant player with his eligibility and his solid floor. So God, I, I'm, I can't believe I, I, I've said a bunch of times in the last week that I'm anti Donovan because, because uh, various reasons. But I think I might be in on him now.
1: You talked yourself into him, didn't you?
2: I, I think we... I, it's not me. It's it's you. It's you and uh, Mikey.
1: And Yancy, I guess, too.
2: And Yancy, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, this is the thing, too. You brought up a what I think is a good point for a lot of people when you're doing analysis of players, especially in spring training. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that is, you should be looking not so much at the results, but the inputs. So, like... When, when you said looking at, like, velocity, like, if you see a pitcher that is throwing two miles per hour harder than they were last year, that's something that's noticeable. Like, it doesn't really even matter if, like, they made a specific change or you really notice, like, biomechanically, what did they do to help them get that extra velo? They have added velo. Like, that, that makes them more interesting inherently. If you see a hitter, even just in spring training, set a new max exit velo, that's super interesting, too. If it comes with a stance change or a swing change specifically, that's also really, really interesting. So, like, you have something that correlates to that. Um, Obviously, like, if the results are, like, a line-out or whatever it is, that's disappointing. Don't look at the results. Like, home runs are cool to see. Obviously, that's really, really great. But the inputs are really, really what matters. If you can notice that that stuff is changing and improving, I think that's a much better way to identify hitters, pitchers getting better. Um, and I think like with Donovan, that's a really good point. Cause I think he had a higher, I think he set like
2: maybe one of the best exit velos that he has had with that home run. Yeah. And they weren't like, they weren't thundering blasts, but they weren't really cheapies either. You know, he, they, no. he wasn't like just squeaking him past the foul pole. He was hitting them like to right center and a, a, a little bit past the wall. So they were not uh they were not cheap home runs. He does have a difficult home ballpark for offense, but, you know, that that floor isn't going to go away. So there's really... Yeah. If you're getting him at his ADP, there's nothing but upside. Exactly.
1: All right. Uh, another quick hit that I threw in here, too, was Santiago Espinal. Um, obviously, we talked about him being the roadblock for Addison Barger. Um, the defense is incredible. The average floor is very, very high for him. So, like, it's someone that's not going to hurt. And if he stays healthy the entire year along with the rest of that lineup he is going to accrue stats he's probably going to get you like 130 140 runs plus rbis as the season goes on but like the average floor for him is kind of the big draw because he hit like what in his first stint in the majors he hit like 311 amber is the color of your energy um and then last year he hit like 270 something like it was definitely it was it was doing More to help your team than hurt your team, obviously, even if the power wasn't really that impressive or the stolen bases weren't that crazy. Um, But yeah, so Santiago Espinal, as far as an average floor, very, very good. Uh, Schwebze, you threw in uh, Miguel Rojas, too.
2: Yes, and this is especially relevant right now because Gavin Lux just blew out his knee in a, in a, a tragic accident at third base. So he's probably done for the year. And that means more, that means playing time opportunities in LA and for a pretty strong lineup. So yeah, Miguel Rojas, he's currently penciled in as the nine hole hitter in a pretty strong lineup and the everyday shortstop with i mean I, I chris taylor can play some short but i don't think they really want him there often and also chris taylor is going to play pretty much everywhere so i am I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure miguel rojas is going to get 500 plus you know unless they make a trade or something at some point it is do, really do have really wild sorry at shortstop i do not think so I, I think they were kind of banking on lux being the uh, the shortstop for the uh present and near yeah. future
1: Oh, that's so sad still. I'm still bummed about that it, so, so much.
2: It's pretty wild for them to go from years of uh, Corey Seager and Trey Turner, and then they were set up to have Lux, but now it's just Miguel Rojas. Yeah. That's a, kind of a bummer for them. But I, I, no one's going to shed a tear for the Dodgers. But yeah, I, I, Miguel Rojas is not, he, he doesn't have a high ceiling. He, his production is pretty much BABIP based and he had a pretty rough year last year, but he also had a low BABIP last year. BABIP dependent player, low BABIP, bad year. Makes sense. Uh, the hope is that in a strong lineup, he can, you know, continue to get back... Uh, he can get back to what he used to be, which is a pretty strong batting average guy who will just, you know, kind of keep the, keep the lineup moving and get to the top of the order. And I... Yeah, I... He might get you ten home runs, ten stolen bases, which is you know not nothing. He's he's not going to be great anywhere else. I I don't even want to call him a glue guy, which is what I like to call guys who get you a little bit of everything, because his counting numbers kind of stink. But you know, he's a he's a cromulent, uh, late round shortstop if you need one of those. Like that. All right, so let's
1: move to power. Then, this is probably where there's the biggest drop off. <laughs> Um, this is rough. And it's not. It's not great. Like I put down Wilmer Flores, and that's if he just if he gets enough at bats, which I don't know if he's going to or not. But like if he gets enough at bats, he could hit 15 plus homers, which I think I personally think that's worth it. Uh, this late in a draft. Um, obviously you want to find someone that's going to hit for like 20 plus. It's worth it ideally. at this position. Yeah, at this position. It's worth it it's at worth this
2: worth it. position. Like, it, like I mentioned earlier, the only power threats I like post 300 are Paredes and. Gorman and they have their playing time concerns and you know I already kind of talked about them so what we have left is Wilmer Flores who is more of a hit tool guy than a power guy Chris Taylor who is coming off a really rough season but he was hurt and he's you know he's not super old so the hope is that he can bounce back uh I think he's going to be kind of a super utility play everywhere kind of guy for the Dodgers he struck out 35 percent of the time last year but that's a full 7% over his career rate. I don't think that's indicative of his skill set. Yeah. I I think he just had a a lost year and the the hope is that he can, you know, kind of return to what he was with the Dodgers before, which is a, you know, just a really solid bat putting up like a 120ish wrc plus uh for a few years there. Yeah. And yeah, uh-huh. 20 home 20 home runs in 2021 which if he, hit, if he hit 20 home runs, then he would cover this value and then some.
1: Exactly. Um, all right. What about Rodolfo Castro?
2: This is mainly because.
1: <laughs> oh, the pause got me. <laughs> <sighs> yeah.
2: Rodolfo Castro. Oh, boy. Like I said, like I said, folks, it's tough down here rodolfo castro might have might hit 20 home runs if he got 500 plate appearances and that's literally the whole reason that he gets any any words spoken about him in in this podcast i don't think he's a particularly good hitter and that is it uh but he, he just he has enough power to matter in a in a very deep league he's gone on home run binges before He's a little bit streaky I feel pretty confident in saying that I will not roster Rodolfo Castro in any leagues this year, and if I do, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> or maybe, you know, or, or he did something incredibly right and, and suddenly turned into a good hitter. But yeah, uh, th- this is kind of just showing that the, the, the pickings are slim down here.
1: Yes. Um, all right, well, let's move to speed then. Uh, I put down Tony Kemp. As someone he's still slated to be the leadoff hitter in oakland and could score a decent amount of runs obviously because of that and if he's healthy it's very likely that he ends up with 10 plus stolen bases which is very very good value at pick 444 which is what his adp is at right now um i'm curious if we see average or op OB, obp numbers closer to his 2021 season or or more of what we saw in 2022 he had like a pretty severe drop off it was like 60 points in batting average or something like that and like 50 points in obp or 60 points in obp uh not great but uh if there is a bounce back in that regard too he could be even more valuable um but yeah i also put down joey wendell here uh he's a strong side platoon bat at shortstop and is likely going to steal 10 plus bags kind of like tony kemp he's not a leadoff hitter like kemp though and he's still going over 100 picks sooner in drafts. I assume it's just because there's a slightly larger power upside and maybe just a better lineup in general. Um, but the average should also be solid with enough volume for that to matter too. So I do like Joey Wendell too. Um, and then Shwip, do you have a couple names down here too, including one that I think was brought up H- by Hooky on the Twitch stream?
2: Hookie being Joe Lowry of Prospects Live. We yes. love to name drop around here. Uh Oswald Peraza, who I cannot stop confusing with Oswaldo Cabrera. I don't I I guess it's the similar first name and the fact that they're like sameish, samey kind of prospects, but I just cannot stop confusing them. But no, I do have this right this time. Oswald Peraza, shortstop prospect for the Yankees. This is all contingent on him winning a role over Isaiah Kiner falefa which sounds like a very easy thing to accomplish. Yes. Because Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is not very good. Uh, he wasn't even particularly good at the things that he's good at last year. So, in theory, there's an easy path to playing time for Oswald Peraza. And if he does get playing time, you know, this is a guy that was stealing 30-plus in the minors. He's kind of decent all-around. You know, it's, there, there's no standout tool except for the speed but it's not like Adalberto Mondesi, where the hit tool is a zero. Like he's still, he, he's, he's got like a fine bat and really good speed. So mm-hmm. I, this actually, like if, if he hits, like if, if he gets the playing time and he hits like his you know, 60th, 70th percent outcome or whatever, he will like wildly out-earn his value here because he can hit like 260 or 270 and steal a bunch of bags. Now, will he get the opportunity to do that? Will he actually hit that outcome? You know that's iffy, but you know great lineup, great ballpark uh yeah i I feel like this is like one of the higher upside stolen base picks for uh late middle infielders for sure and then there's a guy that uh we I, I wrote down because of you
1: yes, that is because true.
2: uh you 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 were trying to talk me into him that's uh Bryce terang from Milwaukee,
1: yeah, I mean, he's been in the system for a very long time and has been like. Not highly touted, I would say, but he's always kind of been like up there in the higher end of Milwaukee Brewers' prospects. Um, he plays really, really good defense, and the fact that he plays such a good shortstop makes me think that he is going to have a spot with the Brewers or any other major league team probably for a while, just because with the shift band and everything like that, he can play a very, very solid shortstop. Footwork's really, really good. The arm is really, really good. Uh, he's very contact oriented and he does have some speed and can steal some bases, obviously, which is why we're talking about him here. Um, there's not really much power to speak of except for maybe a little bit of pull side on occasion. Um, but he's also very, very patient at the plate and gets on base a ton. So I think like Bryce Trang and like an OBP league might not be a bad move. It's just that it's such a contact oriented approach, uh, that you're not really going to see a whole lot of excitement in terms of, like, home runs or anything like that. Um, And obviously right now he has Willie Adamez blocking him at shortstop. There's other players around the diamond. Brian Anderson at third, in theory. uh, Luis Arias at second base, so on and so forth. So uh, is there a place for him right now? I don't think so, but I think that his defense has a spot, at least on the bench, and could very likely get him some at-bats throughout this season.
2: Roster Resource actually currently has him as the strong side of a platoon for second base. So if that I bears out, I'm, I, I hey, look, I'm, I, I, just, I just go by what I see. Oh, I know. J, Jason is, is way smarter than I am.
1: That's the thing. They're going to have, what are they going to have? They're going to have Brasso play second.
2: Actually, wait,
1: timeout. Because they're not going to have Keston Hero play second because Keston's defense isn't good. Are they gonna have Keston DH? I assume that they'll have Keston. If, if this if this is how it works out, they're gonna have Winker DH'ing against right-handers, and then Keston DH'ing against lefties. And then Brasso will play. I guess. I guess second. He could also play th- I think Brasso also plays third, so maybe they shift Arias over to second base. But then that's the thing, too, is like Brian Anderson playing right field might not necessarily be a thing either. They could have.
2: Um, like naquin in there so and i mean they they have they have a lot of possible variations they they have a lot of configurations they could run out there yeah but the important the important thing is that bryce terang being out there is leads to their best defensive configuration and i think that's an important thing for them they do like their good defense
1: true very true but all right uh and then let's move to counting stats now so runs plus rbi is the one that i put down that i think people kind of are sleeping on because he's only like a year removed obviously last season was not good but he's only a year removed from having a like 170 run plus rbi and 22 home run season and that's Jonathan Scope, someone who played like really, really excellent defense last year, too, and that kept him on the field. Uh, just the bat wasn't there. At, even According to OAA,
2: capacity. yeah. According to Outs Above Average, Jonathan the Scope league. is, the, is the, the best defensive player you've ever seen in your life, according yeah. to OAA, which is wild. any of us have ever seen. Yeah. It's he was very, very strange. He was
1: very good. So he showed up. I, to, it wasn't uh, a
2: fluke either. Oh, no. He was awesome. Like every year, every year, uh, OAA loves him.
1: like scope former brewer bofo alert here too um but he also so he slimmed down in the offseason uh hashtag best shape of his life and is still gonna be an everyday regular in that tigers lineup because the defense is so dang good and he's like like i said one season removed from a 22 home run 169 nice run plus rbi season in 2021 so like it's, I don't think it's completely absurd to think that we can get like 15 home runs and 150 runs plus RBIs from him in the pick 430 range. Like, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility that we see that uh, just because he's going to get so many at-bats throughout the season.
2: Yeah, I, it's kind of wild that he only put up 38 RBIs last year. That's like a shockingly low number for someone who played that much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's mostly a context thing. So I, I've got to imagine he can bounce back from that. For he, sure. You know, he used to be a perfectly fine RBI guy.
1: Absolutely. All right. Uh, and then for cutting sets, you also have Christian Arroyo down here.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, this, is, uh, uh, this isn't as bad as Rodolfo Castro, but it is more uh, uh, about the people, the other choices than it is about him. But Arroyo has shown flashes of being a good player before. And he seems to have second base locked down. Uh, I don't. I, I would hope that he's not going to lose playing time to Yu Chang. He should have second base locked up until Trevor Story gets healthy, which could be four months from now, might be next year. So yeah, Arroyo should have every opportunity to, you know, compile some stats. He gets hurt too much, but you know, last year in three hundred plate appearances, he put up what seventy runs in r b i so yeah you know extrapolate that that's you know that's a perfectly good season from a late round middle infielder uh it, you know ten home runs, ten stolen bases seventy runs seventy r b i that's a that's a nice little season it's a it's a pretty good ballpark to hit in it's a high variance lineup it could be a good. it could be a really good lineup it could be an atrocious lineup we're not it, it depends on uh a few people who have never been in the majors before hitting or not hitting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we really have no idea what the Boston lineup is going to look like production wise a a month from now.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I
2: I like, I like Arroyo as like a a late second baseman.
1: Yeah. And like looking at the projections in terms of uh, plate appearances, like it does not look like it has been adjusted for Trevor story not being part of the equation
2: um no like also he's he's going after 450 which is so late. yeah i think i think arroyo is probably going to get at least 500 he's going in the david fletcher range which is insane yeah
1: but yeah just imagine 500 plate appearances with a 260-ish average and he's hitting
2: 277 over his last uh what 500 plate appearances he's hitting 277
1: yeah and it, well it's like he's project I'm looking I'm just looking at the projection on fan graphs right now and says sure, two sixty four. Sure. Right. So just say like to be safe, like about two sixty ish, whatever. Um, but then projecting out his home runs and stolen bases, like he could give you like fifteen home runs, a seven or eight stolen bases, something like that. Like that's
2: solid. That's great. Yeah. I, I don't think he has the highest upside, but No. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is a this is a really good like al only middle infielder for sure
1: love it all right okay and then you also at the end here wanted to uh throw out some names in terms of like possible mid-season call-ups people to keep an eye on uh obviously i would throw like addison barger in this mix uh just based off the fact that obviously there's the possibility that he doesn't break camp with a team
2: but uh yeah i mean if you're a deep league guy you're probably also a prospect guy and you're probably wondering what you're screaming at your you know ipod right now because people still use ipods um god what where's Volpe? why aren't you talking about ellie it's because we don't know when they're coming up you know Correct. like uh, we we don't we don't want to tell you to add somebody on draft day when they might only play for two months uh but yeah uh, ellie de la cruz anthony Volpe, royce lewis are all guys who are going to either get back to or reach the majors for the first time sometime this year and all of them are absolutely worth rostering uh monitoring when they come up or (laughs) monitoring until they come up and then rostering or you know if, if it's a draft and hold their best ball these guys are absolutely worth a pick uh I'd say Ellie and Volpe are both better than anybody we mentioned for power and for speed they they have much higher upside than anybody we've talked about since our deep dives ended yes so yeah I mean all the high upside guys are guys that haven't reached the majors yet basically or are hurt like Royce Lewis correct
1: yeah. Um I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that I want to talk about for any of these categories, but I think that's it. Obviously, like we said, it's pretty barren when it comes right down to it. But uh there anyone else you want to throw in there at the end?
2: Please don't make me try to talk about any of these other players.
1: Okay. I won't. All right. That'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all <laughs> so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and give us a review five stars please thank you and if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow our shared podcast account at in the deep pl you can also follow us individually at schwebzy for schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i and then myself at bunt singles and we'll be back next week for another preseason positional preview Shwebsy, send them out
2: bye friends